Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is five minutes after three. You're listening to SENZ. Welcome into the program. We're going to head across to Australia, across the ditch. One of the great broadcasters out of Australia is about to join us on the program. His name is Peter Mears. Going to get Peter's thoughts on the first six rounds of Super Rugby, what he's made of the Australian franchises. I'll get your voice just to fade that music down. I'm not sure if it's Peter's favourite music. Peter, good afternoon. Welcome. Good afternoon. What up? How have you been? Oh, not too bad, mate. I've just been to the doctor, got the all clear, so I'm fit and ready to go. Good on you. Uh, look, I know you're a mad keen rugby man. You're one of the few in Australia that put this game at the top of your priorities list. Uh, look, we're, what, six, seven rounds, seven rounds. So we're at the eighth round of Super Rugby this weekend. Boy, that's gone fast. So what have you made of the Australian franchises. I mean, clearly the Brumbies do what the Brumbies do every season, but certainly from a New Zealand point of view, the Reds currently sit in 8th, the Rebels in ninth, the Force in 10th, the Waratahs in 11th, and it's Moana Pacifica who round out our top 12. Yeah, there's something depressingly familiar about the season, isn't there? Uh, the Brumbies are always reliable and performing beautifully. Probably a lot of credit should go to Stephen Larkham, who's I've always admired as a footballer, but didn't really know much about his coaching ability. And I think he's proving he's pretty smart. You know, the way he's shuffled his pack and uh, he's kept his big guns off until the second half and inserted players at key, key times in key positions. And it's, it's all come up trumps for him. He's only had the one loss in the first six rounds. So, um, yeah, I'm very impressed with the Brumbies, the way they're playing. But sadly, the other three franchises don't seem to have improved, even though the Rebels, on paper, have a much better team. But, you know, the collapse last week against the Blues when they were actually going into halftime with a chance of winning the game uh, indicates that things haven't improved that much. The same with the Reds, who've gone backwards, and the Force. So, you know, you can't really expect that much, I suppose, but... um, Looking forward to the World Cup and the Wallabies performing, you'd want to hope that uh, the other three franchises would be improving like the Brumbies have. How important was it for the Brumbies in that second round to get the win over the Blues in Melbourne in terms of setting that season up or setting up their season so far? Oh, absolutely. I think very importantly for the players' confidence the way they're playing, they certainly know their game, don't they? They've, they're set pieces as good as any team in the competition, particularly their rolling mall, which has become such a weapon. But, um, you know, they, they can play at uh, counter-attack and play fast and wide like other teams do. Uh, I, that was an absolute uh, must-win, I thought, for their confidence. And the Blues have been playing so well. They're such an impressive team. I'd say they've going to give a big challenge to the other New Zealand franchises this season to win the title. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the Brumbies aren't out of it. 
don't let me write them off. Uh, the Australian teams, though, sort of like second division at the moment, aren't they, compared mm. to the New Zealand teams? Yeah, why is that? Where is it going wrong? Is it just a case that you don't have the depth and therefore you're super rugby and your rugby would be better if you got rid of, say, two franchises and maybe just stuck with New South Wales, Queensland and the Brumbies and therefore, mm. you know, spread that talent or didn't dilute the talent? Yeah, I think that's the, that's the answer. Uh, there just simply aren't enough players, not enough good players, to justify the presence of the number of teams that we've got at the moment. Uh, you know, the, the Waratahs worry me. I, I just can't understand why, with the players that they've got, they don't perform better. And you can blame their coaching staff, I suppose. But it's been a couple of years now, different coaches. Um, they looked like they might have improved at the beginning of the season and then they fell in a hole. And they, the pattern of their play just seems to lack uh, cohesion. Whereas you watch the Brumbies and to a lesser degree, you watch the other teams and, and they seem to know what they're doing. The Waratahs, to me, are just haphazard in the way they, they play the game. And... Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, there should be plenty of strength and depth. There's so many good juniors coming through in the system, but uh, sadly, rugby league is snapping up a lot of them. Uh, so, rugby union, hopefully, with more money coming into the game through private equity, will be able to do like they've mm. done with Joseph Suali'i and uh, lure them over to the rugby game. Is the Melbourne Rebels experiment? Is that ever going to pay off, or is that just are they just going to be that token team every year that most New Zealand sides sort of use as an opportunity to rest and rotate their marquee players? Well, looking at the way they beat the Reds earlier this season, you'd say, no, they, they've really turned the corner and they're playing so much better. They've, got, they've recruited really well, got a massive pack. Their forward pack is absolutely huge and they played, they out-muscled the Reds in their clash down in Melbourne earlier this season. Uh, but then they, you know, suffered a couple of big losses and they've gone back to square one again. Um, you know, you're up against it down there, Watto. You, you've been to Melbourne, you know what it's like. Uh, if you don't talk Australian rules, you don't talk footy. Mm. Uh, basically, they don't even put the match reports in their paper down there. It's just in the small print in the, the sporting detail. Uh, so what hope have you got to try and build a team like the Melbourne Storm are probably the blueprint aren't they the way they've done it in rugby league it's admirable and they've kept a really good coaching staff and they've attracted the right sort of players so you can't see why the Rebels can't try and emulate that sort of thing uh, there's a lot of discussion over here, Peter. We, we're looking at the interest in the game just slowly waning. We're just not getting the crowds. Um, I don't know, New Zealand rugby, maybe Sky Television, the broadcast partner are complicit, but there just doesn't seem to be any narratives around the game. They seem to shut down any controversy, any discussion. And there's a lot of talk about the best model maybe for New Zealand rugby is just going back to the old MPC. We've got these... You know, we've got these unions that have got great history and great tradition. What what would be, in your opinion, the perfect model for Australian rugby to get the best out of the talent in Australia? Is it the current super rugby model? I mean, 
Well, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I agree with the NPC idea. Uh, I think we seem to be playing better when we had the NRC, the National Rugby Championship, as a second-tier competition to give the players some more experience at that higher level than club rugby. Uh, and that's gone by the wayside. Uh, you know, basically, a lot of our players just don't get enough match time. If they're injured and, or they are on the bench, you know, they can go three or four weeks without a game and not playing anything apart from going back to club rugby, which occasionally they do. Although back, you know, I'm old enough to remember when the Wallabies would play a game on Saturday and go back and play a club game on a Sunday. Mm. Uh, there was always that great loyalty and tradition that you, you turned out for your club. Um, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I don't know what the answer is there, Watto. Yeah, look, it's a precarious um, stage. I mean, you know, if countries are uh, adamant on not picking players unless they're playing domestically, um, I think it's a challenge for both countries. But at the same time, yeah, we can't just have the floodgates open and allow everyone to head over to the Northern Hemisphere or up to Japan and then still have them eligible for selection. So it's sort of a fair, it's almost a, a no-win situation. Look, I just want to touch too on the first Wallaby squad that was named by Eddie Jones. A couple of notable omissions. Tate McDermott, not selected. Noah mm. Lolisio, a surprise omission. Also James mm. O'Connor and Jake Gordon. Yeah, James James had been injured, so that's the reason. He'd had, I think, one game coming back when the team was announced and he played badly. Uh, they took him off at halftime because he was playing so poorly. Uh, but generally speaking, his standard has been worthy of selection. I agree with that. Uh, the others, I think Eddie is a very clever and experienced coach. He knows the way to motivate players. And part of that motivation is to say, look, there's other people competing for your spot. You haven't been producing what I want you to see from you. So you're going to sit out of this one. And unless you get your act together, you won't be picked for the big one. Um, you know, the best coach in sport in Australia that I've ever met was Rick Charlesworth, the hockey coach yep. and cricket, uh, cricket opening batsman and uh, just an extraordinary man, uh, doctor, uh, just so capable, one of the great centre, centre forwards from Australian hockey. And he told me when I interviewed him that the reason the hockey ruse went so well was he kept them hungry. And the way he would do this Coming into a big tournament, he'd rest Nicky Hudson and Alison Annan, the two best players in the world in their positions, and just inexplicably leave them out. And so the hockey rules would lose for the first time in a dozen matches. And they'd suddenly realise that we are beatable after all. And they wouldn't get carried away and a bit too uh, cocky. Mm. Uh, and so he'd make them hungry and get other players to play in their position and move them around, uh, select them in a different position where they had to actually learn how to play in a different style. It was just amazing, his psychology of sport, of how to motivate a player and keep them at the highest level for longer. And, you know, that's what I would like to see Eddie doing, and I think he's doing it with the selection of that squad. Mm -hmm. uh, come World Cup time, 
there's no way that Lola Seo and McDermott will be out of their squad, I would think. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you saw that, that try that McDermott scored from 55 metres out last weekend, but he's an extraordinary talent and uh, he's just playing in a team that's not giving him any good ball. That's the trouble. Mm. And Lola Seo, the, better he, the higher the class of football, the better he seems to play. Six uncapped players were named in this first training squad, including 18-year-old Waratah outside back Max Jorgensen. I wouldn't mind you just providing us a little bit of um, background on him and your thoughts, but also Melbourne playmaker Carter Gordon. Another one too, red centre Josh Fluke. Yeah, all three of them terrific talents, no doubt about their potential. And that's, as I say, Eddie's way of rewarding a player for his performance up so far this season, not saying they'll be in the final selection. Um, Jorgensen's dad was uh, a representative player and played rugby league at a high level, played uh, in Sydney. Um, and what he's shown so far he's got what it takes regardless of age, like a young Michael Liner, his son Tom. You know, some players just doesn't seem to matter what age they are. They just have it. They have the confidence and the skills and they come straight from school into the, the top grade. And Jorgensen's one, I think, can carry that off. But, gee, he's got a lot of uh, opposition. You look at uh, the outside backs, there's Kellaway, Wright, Nwonga Nitawasi, Corimbedi, uh, Hodge, Banks, Pattaya, Campbell, and Corey Toole, who's come across from sevens as the quickest player in Australian rugby. Uh, got flattened by Angus Blythe, who, by the way, got three games. He's going to sit out for a while. Um, yeah, I think those three are terrific talents. Um, just give me the names again. The first uh, was Jorgensen. The other two? What was that, Peter? Sorry. Oh, oh, Carter, oh, Carter, yeah. Sorry, Carter Gordon and Josh Carter Flute. Gordon. Okay. Yeah. okay, Carter Gordon is playing the most confident football of any fly half in Australia at the moment, and he's pulling it off. He's playing like uh, Stephen Larkham used to play, charging straight at the big forwards and getting uh, unexpected breaks and uh, tackling above his weight. He's the best defensive guy, uh, fly half in Australia at the moment. And uh, he's pulling off some daring counterattacks. He's certainly one to watch, and at the moment I would put him ahead of Lola Seo in the way they're playing at the moment. Mm. Um, Carter Gordon and uh, who was the other one? Uh, Josh Fluke. Josh Fluke, the Queenslander, came straight out of school football into the red squad. Is like a smooth Rolls-Royce the way he plays the game. He's certainly got ability. He doesn't get much good ball. I don't know if you see... You've watched the Reds closely in the last couple of games, but Josh Fluke, given the ball, is a real talent. But um, unfortunately, he's been starved for possession. And someone like Pattaya is a terrific talent, but he doesn't pass the ball. So if he's playing in the centres with uh, Josh Fluke, you don't see much of him. But I think Eddie has seen that talent and uh, the potential that's there with those three players, and that's why he's picked them in the squad. The great thing about and we've seen it in the past, it doesn't matter how good the New Zealand rugby sides are at a super rugby level, when it comes to the Wallabies, when it comes to the All Blacks, it's still just 23 on 23 and you've 
gone through a long list of names there. There are some players that potentially still could come in from overseas. And actually, it's not a bad Wallaby side on paper when you start writing those names down, potentially. Mm, yeah, I left one out, uh, Samu Karevi, of course, uh, playing over in Japan. Um, Foley is still playing at the age of 35. Uh, you know, we're not um, starved of talent, that's for sure, in the outside backs. But you can't win games without winning up front, and uh, that's the problem we've got. Ever since Taniela Tupo got injured, uh, the forwards have struggled, both Queensland and the Wallabies. Uh, he's a vital cog in our machine looking in t- forward to the World Cup, and whether he makes it back or not is a toss-up. I'd say 50-50 at this stage. Peter Mears, lovely to have you on the program as always. Thank you for taking the time. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day and look forward to catching up again. Thanks, Wada. Good to talk. There you go. Former Rugby Wallaby commentator Peter Mears.